0: Injecting soul into the everyday.
1: Because margaritas and batchy are just as soulful as Medis and self-care.
0: With your hosts Holly party and Jordana Levine.
1: What is cracker lacking jorts?
0: Cracker lackin' Well, I have a confession.
1: Tell me. There's a my confession. Oh, thanks you. I'm so again. glad you
0: did that because as I said it, I was like, song. And then I couldn't get the lyric out. <laughs> but you did it for me. <laughs> it's like we share a brain. It's so good. <laughs> we kind of do. What is my confession? Oh yeah, I'm I'm sipping on a coffee.
1: Talk to me.
0: Oh, look, it's so fine. I've got it under
1: control. I um... <laughs> <laughs> you say in your highly drunk <laughs> caffeine-induced state. <laughs>
0: Look, I, I feel like I got my adrenals to an okay space and I haven't been having one every day, but I have been drinking them.
1: No judgment.
0: Yeah, I'm judging myself. But, look, I think because I've done it, I know I can do it again. And I went three and a half months. So it's a pretty, pretty decent stretch.
1: That's more than a quarter of the year yeah. without coffee. Yes, For a coffee you. drinker. That's amazing.
0: Thank you so much, Holly Azapati.
1: I mean, it's been like eight years without coffee for me, but (laughs) nobody asked you, how have you been? What's going on? This week I've been in a dark case of emotion, glass case of emotion. That was my Anchorman reference that I fucked up, but you guys know, (laughs) like milk was a bad choice. That sums up this week. Milk is a bad choice. No, I have been in this space, Jord, and I I wonder if you can relate in the listeners of knowing that it's time to pivot in an area of your life, be it your work or your relationships or some area, but not seeing what the end result is and because you can't see it and that feels uncomfortable, you stay stuck and it's almost in that stuckness and that fear of the unknown that the discomfort arises. I know this, I teach this, I'm like magic happens outside of your comfort zone, but I'm (laughs) in so comfortable and I'm so scared to move and so I've literally been wallowing in my scared fear-induced state of change basically I
0: think what's so interesting about that which I think people don't give themselves enough leeway with yourself included is yeah like don't hang out in your comfort zone but if you can't see if you don't have clarity around the next step it's not just hanging out in your comfort zone it's like well I don't want to cross the road because I can't see if there's any traffic coming. So I think for now I should just stay here.
1: That's such a good point. And I guess I need to call myself out to go, I know what the next steps are. (laughs) I'm very aware of the next steps in this particular scenario when it comes to in the context of my work and how I'm showing up in the world. And intuition is guiding me and I always trust it and it always leads me where I need to be. But I'm ignoring it right now. Oh, yeah I'm just well I'm not listening you're like shh. I'm (laughs) I'm like and then I'm asking everyone that I know and love for advice and guidance and like all of the out external outside of me things and yeah tell me
0: I read this meme this morning and I was like holy fuck that is so true I'm paraphrasing but it was like if you're asking more than three people for advice what you're asking for is attention (laughs)
1: Oh, <laughs> i feel sick
0: <laughs> it's so true though isn't it like when you tell the same story over again you're like help me with this but if you're saying it to everybody you're not actually asking for advice because the first three people should have been you know enough
1: Okay, I needed to hear that. Can you see? I've gone red in the face. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no. I wasn't the at
0: you, because it resonated with me so much. I was like, ugh.
1: Yeah. All right. So it, sometimes you've just got to feel the fear and do it anyway. And that's what I'm gonna to do today, Jord. But enough about that. <laughs> How's your week? How are you? What's going on in your world?
0: Yeah, I've had such a great week. I think the most exciting thing that happened this week was that a new Bubba was born. Oh yeah. So my friend Ruby had her baby. And speaking of fear, that was a bit of a scary time. She was in labor for 70 hours. Warrior what? woman.
1: I bowed down to you, Ruby.
0: There was a lot of like, oh, my waters have broken, and then not hearing anything for days and going, what is happening?
1: Oh, my <laughs> that God. That was really scary.
0: But she's good. She's so good, and she's so healthy, and Bubba is so cute. Little Leo, little baby Leo! lioness cub. <laughs>
1: Like, I, I can't. Leo girl, the world needs more.
0: Oh, right? I'm so <laughs> terrified for that child. No, she's so cute. She's, she's so cute. And Ruby's just like owning it. She's amazing. That's what I've been doing all week is just going and hanging out with that baby whenever I can. Yeah, it's been a great week. It's I felt a real shift with that last Aquarius full moon. Remember how yeah. I said like everything had kind of lightened up a bit? It really has. It's fucking incredible, this moon shit.
1: This moon astrological shit has some fucking legs. I'll tell you what. Yeah. Like the Virgo season, I am in Virgo season. I wrote a list today of what we need to talk about on the episode. We never do that. I know. It's it's
0: crazy. Yeah. Oh, don't tell them that we never do that, but we don't. We never, never do prep
1: that. our episodes. <laughs> we never <laughs> prep them.
0: This is what you call winging it, folks. Oh, so funny. Not okay. today, Zep. I wrote a list. Yeah, we wrote a list.
1: <laughs> I've checked it five times
0: what we actually wanted to talk about on today's it's a little bit different to what we usually do but because Holly was having one of those weeks where Mm. there was a lot of this unknown sort of stuff going on it really kind of brought to the surface some of our fears really yeah and like we realized that we have a bunch of legitimate fears but also irrational fears (laughs) well we thought it would be Good to kind of talk about them, I think, because, you know, like we were talking about social media last week and it's such a highlight thrill, and you're like, oh, people have their shit together. It's
1: like people are
0: terrified (laughs) all of the time. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I am scared often.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, but fears are so important because fear stepping into the fear fear is simply the unknown so when we can step into the shadow step into the unknown we come out of our comfort zone and that's how we truly expand and grow and we all need growth in our life in order to up level and upskill and upgrade
1: yeah it's something that I drill in all the time to myself my clients and anyone who wants to listen to my woke wisdom, is it's not about eradicating fear, eliminating fear, getting rid of fear. It's impossible, right? It's Mm -hmm. just like, I only want sunshine, but never the moon, or I only want the yin and never the yang. It's fear and love go hand in hand. And so it's how can we relate to fear? What was that little Sorry, I was
0: like, oh, you know what I think go hand in hand? I I have a real issue with fear and love. You me. change my mind,
1: but oh, I just no, don't me.
0: think they're a little couple. I just don't think they're like couple friends.
1: Who? Okay, so what goes hand in hand for you in this?
0: For me, it's fear and faith.
1: Yeah, you're good with the faith chat. Yeah, because, because, because it's it's when like, you feel the fear and lean into it, it's not love, it's trust, it's yeah. faith. yeah. I get it.
0: Yeah. But can you explain the love and fear thing to me?
1: Okay, so the love and fear thing for me is that they're polar opposites. So Mm. love is the most high vibrational energy, right, and fear is the lowest. So in that regard, it's the light and the shade. Yeah. So when you are edging into fear, love will come from it on the other side and love could look like faith, trust, gratitude because love is made up of all of those things, you know. Yeah. We're not talking like just self-love or compassion or love of somebody else it's I guess more love is a vibration yeah
0: yeah it makes sense
1: but I do love the fear and faith thing because if you are edging into fear it takes faith it doesn't always take love
0: (laughs) I feel like faith is an option is a choice that you can make that dulls fear more than love does maybe that's just me I don't know
1: I mean, a question that I ask myself often that really helps me in moments of fear is what would love do and what would love say to me right now? But I guess you could swap out love for faith and you'd probably get similar answers, to be honest. Mm. Do you think?
0: I think so. I don't know. Do you know what
1: I think? (laughs) I'm going to tell you. (laughs)
0: Hey, ho, what do you think?
1: Here's what I think. I think love. is a gentler voice than faith and faith is more courageous than love wow yeah that just i just spat that shit out i could disagree with myself when i listened back to this on monday
0: (laughs) do you know how many times i do that
1: i know i know i
0: can
1: go (laughs) faith is like xena warrior princess oh
0: good reference
1: is aphrodite oh
0: hello I do love a bit of Xena. She's popped back up on the television on this new show and it's very confusing for me to see her with an Australian Uh, accent. Have you seen it? Who? Well, the actress that plays Xena, Warrior Princess. She's doing like some Australian crime drama that's got a little bit of comedy in it. Yeah, Really? It's on after Batchy on Wednesday nights.
1: I loved Xena so much
0: because she's Kiwi, right? Yeah. And she's. Somehow changed it to an Aussie accent and she's like on the TV. It's Lucy Lawless?
1: Yes. Yeah. Zina is someone who is fearless, right? Yeah, totally. She's
0: amazing. That was a
1: good show. Great show. It was Fucking kind of great.
0: Game of Thrones before Game of Thrones.
1: Yeah. It was badass women doing fearless shit. Yeah. Can you see how I'm trying to segue back into the fear I know. I know. <laughs> I was like, Quit. So, John. <laughs> Let's keep it light first and talk irrational fear, and then we'll go into the serious territory.
0: Oh, okay. Well, why don't you start? Because I know you're dying to tell me what your irrational Oh, my God. Is okay.
1: <laughs> and I'm not having this on. I'm not making this up. Actually, my two irrational fears rhyme, which I realized when I was prepping for this chat. Mm. But anyone who is very close to me is aware of both of these things. And I just want to say, guys, like, I will get upset if you guys start to, like, share photos of these things in the group because people think it's not serious and I actually get sick and, like, feel really sad and I'm about to cry. Like, I'm very terrified of these things, okay? Are you ready? Yeah, I can't wait. First one. (laughs) (laughs) Sloths.
0: Oh, I knew you were going to say that. Oh, did
1: I have I told you that? No,
0: but I. you know what I'm like. Have you seen the video of Kristen Bell and the sloth?
1: Someone tried to send it to me. I can't. I can't. I I feel sick. Anytime I see a sloth, I want to throw up.
0: Okay. Yeah. So she's got the opposite to you, where she's so in love with them, they make her cry. She cannot handle how wonderful they are.
1: Oh, no. They're horrible.
0: I'm with you. But what is it about them? Oh, Oh, totally. They're so weird. They're so weird. What are they?
1: Like, they, they've got claws, like really long <laughs> claws. And they, do you know what they do sometimes? <laughs> sometimes, I feel so sick. My stomach is dropping. Sometimes they mistake their, their leg or their tail for a branch and then they fall out of the tree and die. <laughs> like, I, I just can't. Like, anytime, even if I see a sloth, like my dad and my sister fucking harass me every now and then, I'll be like, Carmen has tagged you in something and I get on and it's a fucking sloth and I just, it fucks me hard. So sloths, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's that they're really slow. <laughs> I, I can't tell you. There's
0: something unusual even about their body shape though because, like, they don't look like a bear and they're not, uh, like, what are they? They're not like a, what are they?
1: I, that's, I think that's what it is. I cannot place can't them. place them. No, and they're very confusing, and they have yeah. a bowl cut. It's very yeah. Weird. The whole
0: thing's weird. Okay, next irrational fear.
1: I feel like this is more rational than sloths. Moths.
0: Okay, so but, but Holly, like, yeah, I get it. I don't like moths, but like, what would you run around the house screaming if a moth? Yeah. Came oh yeah.
1: In? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, hundred percent. If there and is like, a moth around, I cannot be near it. What about I'm getting those little moths? Little moths are fine. I'm talking like if they're like five centimetres or bigger.
0: So, okay, I get it. I get one that comes at night sometimes and I can hear it like it's a bat flying through the house.
1: What? How big is it?
0: It might land on your face while you're sleeping. No, I, I, I know. <laughs> I'm know.
1: i actually considering saying it yours. I mean, hang on. Why have you never told me about this moth? Oh, my God. not live
0: here. I've had a moth in my house once. Um, I got <laughs> rid of it. Don't worry.
1: I don't like them because they're furry.
0: Okay, I get that. But they look, other than their colouring, they look very similar to a butterfly.
1: Butterflies are beautiful, though.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but why?
1: Because they're colourful.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: And they feel gentler than a moth. Do you know what? I can pick up dragonflies. I can catch spiders. I'm the spider catcher in our house. Cockroaches, fine. It's something about the fuzziness of a fucking moth. And also, I don't know if you've seen that movie, The Mothman Prophecies, but that fucked me up.
0: No, no, I don't think I could watch that.
1: Right. I think that that's probably what did it. I watched it when I was like 10. I loved scary movies.
0: Yeah. Okay, what else have you got?
1: They were my two bigger rational fears. I also used to have a phobia of vomiting, but I'd like to say that I'm recovering from that because I've vomited a lot this year and it's exposure therapy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's
0: so funny. How about you? I would call them irrational because there's no rational explanation for them. So that's kind of my definition of irrational fears. And I've got a few. I've got a few kind of silly ones like yours. And then I've got a few that are probably I should go to counselling for. (laughs) (laughs) The first one, and this is going to sound a bit weird because you're like, well, in what context would that ever happen? (laughs) But there is no way I could put my hand into a box if I didn't know what was in that box. You know, like they have those challenges on shows and they're like, put your hand in the box and there could be anything in there. I don't think I could physically actually get my hand even close to that hole. My whole body would be paralysed in fear.
1: I just love that you have considered this and it's clearly been instigated through watching I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here or one of those shows. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Like shows like that. Right. I think even earlier, like, you know, they used to have those Japanese like quiz shows and they'd do weird shit like that and have like furry things. What do you box. think would be in there? Well, it could be anything. I don't know.
1: And it's that lack of control, right, Miss Virgo Moon? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I think mean, all of the fears I tell you about today will be about a lack of control. But, yeah, putting Give my hand in a one. box. Another one is snakes. Oh, really? Yeah, and my brother has a pet python in his Amazing. room. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and she's she's beautiful, but I actually can't look at her for too long or my body starts to shut down.
1: And if really? he
0: threatens to bring her out, I just I cannot handle them. Actually, the other night I was in bed, it was the middle of the night, and I could hear something in the house. I think it was actually outside the window. I convinced myself there was a snake under the bed because I'd had the door open all day and there's snakes around here. And I yes. was like, oh, my God, a snake could have just crawled into the house and I wouldn't even know. Why? I Look, spiders, I will catch a spider. I'd probably touch a spider. I'd probably yeah. touch a spider. Yeah. Give it a stroke. But snakes, <clears> there's something about them not having legs and being so, so thick and heavy and, like, (laughs) being able to crawl into weird spaces and, like,
1: I just, nah. Fascinating. I always find that intriguing because I love snakes. Really? Yeah, I've held heaps of snakes.
0: This wasn't a planned one, but I'm just going to throw it at you. You know what else is an irrational fear of mine? Yeah. Is rats, but not just the rat itself, its tail.
1: Oh,
0: (laughs) I lost my voice. The tail of a rat—it's so thick and heavy. Have you ever held a rat before?
1: What's with you and the thick and heavy?
0: I don't know. It <laughs> scares me. It really scares me. A rat. A rat. Oh, I used to have pet mice, and I loved mice. But there's something about the size of a rat and its little face and its uh and its uh, and its body <laughs> and I talk. And talk. i feel sick i know i feel sick why are we doing this too i don't know okay now the irrational fears that i probably need to go see a counselor about tell me i have this fear and i don't know where it's come from i've looked back a lot into i mean maybe past relationship stuff maybe but i've got this real fear of abandonment and like
1: oh yeah
0: i mean in in a few different ways like somebody leaving me But also if I'm in a group environment, in a crowd, say at a festival, I've got this real fear that I'll get lost or abandoned by the people that I'm with. Yeah, and quite irrationally so. Like even if I try and rationalise it, it's like so ingrained in my body. Do you have anything like that?
1: No, I feel like the fear of abandonment thing is a very common one. I've heard it a lot through friends and especially for women. And I wonder if it is past life related or... Actually, it did come up for me in a past life regression, but I never never thought I had a fear of abandonment until that came up and I was like, and I was left. I think it's common. Do you know what I think is underneath that? And I feel a lot of us carry is this fear of being alone and loneliness.
0: Yes, yeah, see, I don't have that fear. Really? My fear is that I'm not scared of being alone and that therefore yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll be <laughs> alone forever.
1: forever. <laughs> Do you know what? Good point because I feel... I would kind of be okay on my own too. I really like hanging out with myself. <laughs> Me too. But I think it's rare. I feel yeah. a lot of people have that fear of loneliness and it's almost to the point of, and, and maybe that's what it is, not a fear of being alone, but a fear of loneliness. Yeah, loneliness is Lonely, mm. but be around all of the people all the time.
0: Also, I think the thing with abandonment is it's almost as if being abandoned is something that happens when you're taken by surprise. It's not like, oh,
1: I'm, you're here mm-hmm. with me now
0: and you're going to leave me soon and I know and I'll prep for that. It's like, oh, you're here now, you're not.
1: <laughs> you yes. Know? And yeah. it's kind of like the turbulence in the aeroplane, which she's spoken about before, like the fear of the out of control, the fear mm. of, oh, shit, I can't prep myself for this. It's all of a sudden here. Yeah. And relying on yourself to get yourself out of certain periods of discomfort, I guess. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's like how much
1: you back yourself to get through a lack of control scenario
0: totally but I think we'll talk about lack of control in a bit once we've been through some other fears because I think it's quite an interesting one and I'm probably the expert on being a control freak
1: well let's talk about like our biggest fears like fears that are holding us back for me when I was sitting on this I was like shit my probably my biggest fear is not living life to the capacity that I know is possible so, like, dying before I've had the chance to experience the fullness of life. Okay. Like, travelling to the places that I want to travel to. Yeah. And I guess this is the reason that I'm so persistent on living my best life. It's like I have to. Do you know what it feels like? It feels like time is running out and I need to make the most of every moment because what if I don't?
0: Okay. Can I give you, can I coach you for 30 seconds? Please. What I would say to you at this point if you were my client is you're worried about running out of time because there's all these things that you need to get done. And in Virgo season, I would say to you, are you super clear on what it is that you need to achieve before you die?
1: That's such a good point because no. No. I'm not. What's
0: the rush to get through the list that isn't even there?
1: There is no list. Should I write a list?
0: Well, I'd write a list for now, but knowing that it's going to grow and it's going to change and things will drop off the list and they won't matter so much. But sometimes it really does help. And this is like when we were talking about the journaling episode, you know, forever ago, that just getting this shit out of your head is enough yes. to dull the fear.
1: You so know? True. It's when it's kind
0: of like a washing machine around in your brain and it's just like spinning, spinning, spinning. It becomes this irrational fear and takes on a life of its own.
1: Yes, you know? it becomes its own energy. Yeah. Thanks, Coach George. That's That's right. brilliant.
0: All right. So what else?
1: Uh, motherhood <laughs> i'm petrified oh, Really?
0: okay oh you-
1: i'll probably get emotional about this one what i would of? love to be a mother i feel i'd be a great mom we are in an amazing oh. position to have children like married in love happy financially stable good all age. of the things good age everything i am terrified of losing myself in motherhood i'm terrified of my life changing, and I I know it will be for the better because you've got these bubbers to look after, but at the same time I thrive on my independence and freedom is a big one, and I just, it's a story that I'm telling myself that I will lose the freedom to hop on a plane and travel or to do X, Y, Z. And I know it's that compromise thing when you choose to be a mother, but I am, there's this like, I feel sick in my stomach again, this like I'm terrified of what I'll lose in that. (laughs) Rather than what I'll gain, does that make sense?
0: Yeah, that makes sense, definitely. Look, I think it's different for everyone. You'll probably get a flood of advice, I would say, in the Facebook group for this. But I also think that I've got many examples in my life of women doing motherhood very differently. Yeah, I mean, there may be the first few years where they've got to settle a little bit, but then they make sure that they still live the same life and they still have the same amount of freedom and. It's how you craft the situation with your partner and your living circumstances and the work that you do. And yeah, Yeah. it's doable.
1: I'm in a very privileged position where I can do all of those things. And I I feel, to be honest, for me, part of that is a fear of what my mental health will do because of the lack of sleep and the someone needing me 24-7. And I just feel there's probably a little bit of therapy for me before stepping into that next iteration because I want to be of sound mind as best I can
0: everybody should have therapy before they
1: have a baby that's just come to me so I'm gonna do that okay
0: great <laughs> biggest fears okay yeah. I I don't want to sound like the bravest person in the world but I have to say lately I have less fears about things I'm not so fearful of my fears
1: I love that. Um,
0: But one fear that is a big one for me, and it's I guess it's a little bit different than the angle you were taking just then, but I really suffer from claustrophobia, like quite severely. And I don't even have to be in a confined space to feel claustrophobic. Like I can just think about being in a box and I break into cold sweats and I can't breathe properly. When I get a cold or a flu and I can't breathe through my nose, I slip into like a claustrophobic fit because wow. like i'm not getting enough air interesting yeah. so that's probably of all my fears that's probably my biggest fear i would say
1: okay okay failure. i
0: get it on airplanes i get it if i overheat like sometimes in summer when yes. it's really humid and i'm just like i cannot function i'm dying yeah <laughs> smothered. yeah and also that's another good example is if i start to feel smothered in a relationship or with people I start to feel super claustrophobic then as well.
1: It's the double air in you. Is it? Yeah, 100%. I've had this chat with, like, other double air signs oh. and because I, I, I feel the same not to the point of you. Like, aeroplanes I'm fine on, but I couldn't do, like, the fucking... Tunnels in Vietnam or any of that shit. Like that's just oh. absolutely fucking. Or like busted. caves.
0: Oh. I mean, you oh, never no. get me in a
1: cave. Yeah, like those caves in Thailand. We got to lie down in the boat to go under. Oh. Never. I would oh. never. But I do feel it's a double air thing. Like, how are you driving through tunnels?
0: I'm okay if I'm the one driving. I'm okay. But if I'm a passenger, I remember as a kid. Actually, I remember when they built the um harbor tunnel, the harbor bridge tunnel, yes. and we went under yes. it for the first time. I shat myself.
1: Yeah. Because I yeah. was
0: like, how long is this tunnel? Why can't I see anything? And yes. I don't want to be in here anymore. And if I get stuck, actually, on the way down to my dad's place, if I get stuck in the tunnels in traffic, which happens all the time, yeah, I start to freak out. There was this movie, I think Sylvester Stallone was in it. Did I make that up? About being stuck in a tunnel and what? it started no. to flood. Yeah. No. I'll find out what it is. But um, I don't even
1: want to see that. Yeah, yeah. Actually... I saw that ad on Survivor about them breathing under the water, like mm. the water's like rising. Like that yeah. is terrifying to me.
0: Absolutely. I couldn't do that either. That would be so far. Oh.
1: Okay. Claustrophobia.
0: I have another fear and it's kind of in the line of what you were talking about. I think when I feel real fear in my body, like on a really visceral physical level, and this might surprise a few people, is in social situations where I don't know anybody.
1: Oh, yeah. My yeah. body shuts yeah. down.
0: I, I hate going to events where I don't know anybody and I just have to talk to strangers. Yeah. yeah. I'll be paralysed before I get there.
1: Really? It's, yeah,
0: it's really. Oh, George. And, but I push myself through it. I push myself out of my comfort zone all the time and I yeah. do it and I'm usually thankful that I have. Yeah. And I always tell myself on the way, you only have to stay for half an hour. If you're still uncomfortable, then go, you can leave. Love it. But yeah, it really, it really makes me shut down. I can hop on a stage in front of thousands of people and do a public speaking gig. I would happily get up and do a TED talk and probably feel a bit of a heart flutter, but would be fine. Yeah. But walking into a room of people I don't know and having to make conversation terrifies me for some reason.
1: You don't know why?
0: No, because, you know, like I'm pretty intelligent and and funny and like I have things to say. I don't know why it happens.
1: Interesting. But
0: it's, yeah, it's, it's, I'm getting better. I get better. I'm getting better as I get older, but yeah, I used to just not go to anything.
1: Yeah. I can relate to a degree I'm okay with going to events by myself and meeting the people. That's yeah, That's, you're I, great at I, that. Like I'm fine at that and I'll probably leave with seven best friends. But Trent's always like, what the fuck, Holly? You can speak in front of like thousands of people. You love to speak. You love to present. But if I have to order food at a restaurant and they've got the order wrong and I need to correct them, oh, oh no, I can't. I would rather eat the food that I did not order than... Call someone over to correct them it makes me feel sick. Is it because you don't want to upset them? Yeah. Yeah. It's a people pleasing thing. It's like, I would much rather not make you feel bad about fucking up my dinner than actually calling you. I get so, I can't do it. And even like, Trent and I had this Mexican standoff when we were traveling recently because the Wi Fi wasn't working in our room. And I was terrified to call the reception downstairs and let them know. I just refused. I'm like, it's fine. We, we were needed to do our podcast. I'm like, it's fine, it'll come back on. And he's like, Holly, just call them. I'm like, no.
0: <laughs> it's so weird. That is well, yeah. I don't know if that's a fear hole. That's just you being not wanting to hurt someone.
1: Do you know what it is? I got abused on the phone once oh. when I was working in retail, and I was calling the customer to let them know that their clothes were in. And they thought I was a telemarketer and they yelled at me to get, like, stop interrupting their day and to fuck off. They said this on the phone. And I hung up and I was in tears. And then I had to ring them back again and be like, just so you know your clothes are here. And so I feel like it's a fear that I'm going to get attacked on the phone. Like oh, wow. I really don't like that But you weren't
0: clothes. even in the wrong then. I mean, this is why these
1: are irrational, right? Right? Totally. Yeah. I have a question for you, Joel Yeah, hit me. If fear didn't exist... What would you be doing differently in your life right now?
0: Well, I don't wish for a world where fear doesn't exist, but sorry, that's not why you asked the question.
1: Definitely um, not.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'd probably put myself out there a lot more. I think, I think fear and the vibration of fear holds me back at times from putting myself in situations that could be quite advantageous. And I mean that in different areas. I don't just mean work and career progression. I mean relationships as well. I mean, yeah, yeah. I I think there's probably situations that I don't put myself in out of fear of rejection maybe.
1: Yeah, totally can relate to that.
0: But to be honest with you, I don't have, and I thought about this in the lead up because you wrote me a list. (laughs) I can't think back on a time in my life where I have regret over not doing something because fear held me back.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. I, I feel the same when I wrote that question down because it's a question that I often ask in my programs and my clients, and I was sitting with it and I'm going, okay, fear didn't exist right now. It's like, well, fuck me. Like the most scared I've ever been of doing something has been Vipassana. Yeah. I don't know if you guys know, but I did Vipassana. <laughs> I bring it up every day, multiple times a day. I'm like, I'm that person, but I don't fucking care because it changed my world. And it was the scariest thing I have ever done. And I truly believe if I can do that, I can do anything. And in that way, yeah, there are moments like this week where I've been sitting in the not doing because it's comfortable in my comfort zone. But I also know I am going to push through that fear because it's nothing in comparison, you know? Yeah. So I'm with you, girl.
0: Good. Holly, where do you feel like
1: fear is holding you back? Right now for me, fear is holding me back in the pivoting that I'm being called to do in my business. So for the last three years, I've been a coach. I've been helping a lot of people. It's developed into soul work. It's been incredible. Mm. But I'm getting called to now step into a more mainstream arena and just to show up more as myself in all of my facets yeah To so not just be holly the coach or holly the soul girl and part of that actually does require me to get an agent and to pitch myself for speaking gigs and to dare i say it pursue visions and dreams i've had since i was a kid and these are big things draw these are things like television presenting these are things like commercial modeling for you know a plus size body It's that stuff that I'm being called into and my my solar plexus is giving way as I talk about it because all of these limiting beliefs are coming up. Who do I think I am to do this stuff? I'm too old. I'm not, you know, beautiful enough. I'm not smart enough, talented enough, whatever. But that is part of the growth for me is feeling all of those things there but also tapping into those and going, no, this is the next iteration for me. And so I've been putting off approaching these agents that I've had on my list all week. But I asked for attention from more than three people and everyone's given me today to do it. So that's what I'm going to do.
0: And also, can we just tell the listeners what I said to you about fear in these moments when you're scared, how to get through that? What have you done this week?
1: Just make them bite-sized actions. So it's not the end action of I need to approach these three agents. It's, okay, these guys will need Photos from me, they'll need certain information like my height, my measurements, these things. So buy the fucking measuring tape. Yeah. Tip. That's One tiny
0: done. action step.
1: One tiny action step at a time and it does feel so much more doable. Mm. And I do outsource the action steps to Trent. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I said to Holly, I said, all you have to do today is buy the measuring tape. And she, she boxes me back and she goes, so I just called Trent and he's going to buy me the measuring tape.
1: I'm like, no, no, that was your action step. <laughs> I, me. I, hold you as a <laughs> I feel really so vulnerable good. sharing that. I just need to put that out there. Like I feel, but I guess that is the point of this conversation yeah. is like real fears. They're yeah. real fears of being seen and stepping into discomfort. So thanks for pushing me and holding my hands. And no. now I'm going to crawl into a hole. No. No. <laughs> Is there a new moon soon? Yes, Friday, this Friday, Virgo, new moon. <gasps> I'm a Virgo! <laughs> no, you're not.
0: You're not a Virgo. <laughs> you have Virgo in your chart. <laughs> I
1: have a lot of Virgo in
0: Yeah. <laughs> but we're all likely to feel the energy of Virgo under this upcoming moon. And you know what? It's just what we need after the fiery, performative energy of Leo.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> this moon's gonna be a little more grounded, a little more organized. She's just gonna tidy things up a little.
1: I can almost feel the Virgo energy already, Jord. It's Mm. so fucking cool, right? Like how one mood leads into another and you start to follow them, you start to tune into the effects of each lunar cycle. So tell me, Jord, if I want to work closer with the lunar cycles, what do I do? Well,
0: I've been working with the lunar cycle for years now and it's impacted my work and my relationships, even my finances. And that's why I created my Lunar Lover membership.
1: Yes. I've been meaning to ask you about this. It's super cheap, right? $22 a month. Yes,
0: and each month you get access to two online moon circles.
1: I love your online moon circles. I love the collective energy and I always set epic intentions. It raises the energy so much. What else
0: do you get? Well, you also get a new guided meditation each month that's in line with the energy of the moon. So I record so that every month with a different theme. You also get two sets of journal prompts, so one with the new moon, one with the full moon. Plus, you get email reminders every time the moon changes phase so that you can work with the
1: energy of all eight phases. So it's not just the full moon and the new moon, which is what I've been doing wrong. Okay, (laughs) this is so good, Jord, and again, I mean, it's so fucking cheap. So, guys, if you want to support Jord and become a Lunar Lover member, Remember, you'll also be supporting The Middle, allowing us to bring you juicy, informative and hilarious free podcast episodes each week.
0: Aw, thanks, Holes. Yeah, all you need to do to become a member is to click the link in our show notes or head to jordanalevine.com forward slash lover. I want to ask you what the scariest moment of your life has ever been. Like when you've been in real fear.
1: Like terror. Yeah. It's been everything to do with fucking ghosts yeah, and spirits. And so I've had two moments. One was this year when we spoke about the haunted house when I was in Byron. <laughs> you mean more experienced that. I had a fucking ghost sitting on my chest. It was fucking horrifying. And the other moment was when I was reading last year and I used to do mediumship as well so I can channel loved ones who've passed away, which for the most part has been really beautiful. When people cross over, it's into unconditional love. It's a beautiful energy. But this one I was not prepared for, and it was actually a, a guy who had been murdered. He hadn't fully crossed over yet, and he it was just a recent thing. And the way that he was brutally murdered, it was all very uncomfortable. It made me very sick, and he actually had attached himself to my energy for quite a few days. And that, like that was terrifying because I did, and this is why, guys, this is why I talk about don't play with this stuff. Like if you fucking ever feel tempted to get a Ouija board out, like do not, like don't. Like this this isn't, this energy is not to play in. And even when you're someone like me who's done a lot of work, it can be really terrifying. So that's why I stopped doing readings (laughs) because it scared me too much. Yeah, (laughs)
0: fair enough. How about you? Well, first of all, before I tell you my scariest thing, I just want to say I've never seen... A ghost ever and I as a child I was so viscerally terrified every night when I went to bed I couldn't sleep with the light off and I had very 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 vivid dreams that were usually quite terrifying and yeah I just I just couldn't sleep I used to sleep you know, at the foot of mum's bed or on the floor next to her. I just, it it was crazy. And I think it was because there were lots of spirits around.
1: Yeah. But I
0: have always been very clear right up until this day that I never, ever want to see them. They can hang out, they can be around, but I never want to see them and I've never, ever had an issue with that. But I can feel them. I can definitely feel them. and. It's almost like it's a hollowness in your bones. Yes. Almost. Yes. Yeah. But I and think yeah. I think the most scared I've ever been, <laughs> I mean, this is quite hilarious, I would have been maybe like 18 or 19 and my mum was away and my boyfriend at the time was working. He worked in a bar, so it was like 2 mm. o'clock in the morning and I'd had girlfriends over. We watched The Ring. Have you seen The Ring? Oh, yes. Okay. Fucking it's fucking horrible. Yeah, so they watched it with me and then they left and I was alone in the house and Eddie wasn't coming home for like a couple of hours or something. And I got myself into such a state. I was so terrified, even though I knew it was just a movie, that my stomach actually knotted itself and I was like keeling over. I was so afraid And then I was like, I have to get out of this house. And so in the middle of the night, it was 2 o'clock in the morning, I hop in the car (gasps) and I drive to my boyfriend's house, knowing he's still not going to be home for a really long time, locked myself in the car outside his house, knowing (gasps) his parents were inside so if anything happened, they'd be
1: there. George. I know.
0: And I've never, ever to this day felt fear like that in my body before.
1: Oh, you picked up on energy in that movie. And
0: when he finally got home, it took us a few hours to calm my stomach down. Yeah, it was so painful.
1: Do you watch scary movies anymore?
0: I'm getting better at them. I never used to be able to, like not at all. I remember watching Scream and I Know What You Did Last Summer. Yeah. And they terrified the shit out of me. Yeah. Uh, And they're thrillers more than horrors. But like I could never watch a poltergeist movie or like anything like that.
1: Or Saw or Yeah.
0: Never. But I'm pretty good at like, yeah, I can do thrillers and stuff like that now. It's just if it starts to get really gory and paranormal that it freaks me out.
1: Well, I went the other way, Jordan. I used to love them. I used to love the poltergeist. I used to love like really? watch watch them all with my family. Like my sister had the Saw doll. We've watched all of the Saw movies. Like it was like a weird fucked up bonding thing where we would be like, what scary movie are we going to watch? Wow. And I guess then when I shifted into doing this work, I just cannot. I can't even watch an ad for a scary movie without feeling sick to my stomach. I just cannot watch them. Yeah. It's just not a fun. It's not my idea of fun. It's not a fun time. <laughs> I do not want to be terrified for fun, guys. No. Actually, I used to be really scared of roller coasters too, but that was a control thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's an interesting one, isn't it? Because your body's going through a physical reaction to what's happening.
1: Yeah. You know what I mean?
0: Like that's, it's like like your brain doesn't make it up. It's like actually happening to you.
1: Yeah. And also when you have a phobia of vomiting and you're going on a roller coaster, Mm. it's like an added layer of complexity, but I'm getting better.
0: I've never been a ride girl.
1: Yeah,
0: I, I used to love that one at, oh, we haven't talked about that fear of yours. I used to love that one at Australia's Wonderland, which was like you just go up in a seat really, 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 really high and then they drop you.
1: Yes, I have a fear of heights. That's yeah, what we're referring to. you do have to. a
0: fear of heights
1: a very bad fear of heights yeah so much but I I don't even acknowledge that it's a bad thing because it's just me like a bit, then you noticed it when I went to look at the lookout and I was yeah. holding <laughs> like my, oh my arm God, it out was going. the
0: funniest thing I've ever
1: seen <laughs> <laughs> I'm terrified of heights you will never get me bungee jumping or jumping out of a plane no yeah I've, wow. I've fallen to my death in past lives for sure
0: Get the fear of heights it's rational right like i mean yeah minion falls you were very safe that railing was very high but i still mm. get it like it's
1: yeah oh do you know what else i'm scared of we've opened a can of worms here mm-hmm. waves oh yeah me too also, i love a flat i love the ocean yeah that fucking
0: i'm not jumping in waves well that's a control thing right you got no control of that
1: this is it it all comes back to control doesn't it yes
0: which i did want to talk about i think yes i think, the fear is, of not being in control is that if you step into this thing that is the unknown and that scares you and you decide you want out, a lot of the time you don't have control over that. And that Such. that to me, I think it's basic human instinct, right? It's survival. It's to keep yourself safe.
1: Yeah, and so, it is.
0: Yeah, you're like, well, what are my options here? I either stay safe or I put myself at risk, and risk yeah. can lead to death.
1: The, and that's the thing: the underlying all of these fears is I could die.
0: Yeah, and that's the primal—that's the primal nature within us, right?
1: Which, which is why it's not going anywhere. You yeah. can't eradicate that. It's very—it is very rational at the end of the day. It's yeah. just what we attach to that may not be the most rational.
0: Totally. So, how do you manage fear when it flares up?
1: For me. It's always connected to the breath because when I'm scared, instantly my breathing shallows, and that's a primal thing again. We activate fight and flight. So if I have a really good regular meditation practice and I go in and out, then I'm able to manage fear when it arises much better. But also for me, I'm a talker. <laughs> I feel like you'll be the same. Like, even if I feel nervous about something, like for instance, when I got my nose pierced years ago and I felt really nervous, I just kept talking to the piercer and she's like, fuck, you can talk. But yeah. that was like my way of responding to fear was like, I just need to know I'm not alone in this, you know?
0: Ah, and maybe like, talking a
1: bit things of out. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, distraction. That's a good one. Mm. Pretending it is not there. It's probably not the healthiest thing to do. (laughs) How about you?
0: I try and feel into it and ask myself what other feelings are underneath the fear.
1: Oh, I love that. And try
0: and tackle it, control it from that perspective. Breathing, definitely. I need deep breaths to calm myself down. I also do as Liz Gilbert says and have a conversation with fear and be like I love that. You can be here with me. We can do this together. And yes. I'll take you with me, but you're not going to stop me from doing this. Yes. And I also, I know I said it before, but I really try and see if I can replace the fear with faith. What would this look like if I wasn't in fear and instead I had faith that everything was going to be okay?
1: I love that. And on that, my one is what would love do in yeah. this moment. What would yeah. love do? I love yes, that. So good. So good. That so was a really long chat. I thought it would be. We've just had all the words. Uh, Rekos. Rekos. George, what have you got for me this week for us?
0: I've got a, well, you'll love it. <laughs> it's not meat. It's <laughs> It's actually a fiction book and I really enjoyed it.
1: Talk to me. What is it? what's it about?
0: Okay, it's called Flat Share. Weird name. Don't Fair. let that turn you off. By Beth O'Leary. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like, it's such a feel-good book. It's a quirky love story, which is kind of cute. I'll I read that. you. I'll read you the description and then we can talk about it a little bit. Okay. Please. Tiffy and Leon share a flat. Tiffy and Leon share a bed. Tiffy and Leon have never met. Tiffy Moore needs a cheap flat and fast. Leon Twomey works nights and needs cash. Their friends think they're crazy, but it's the perfect solution. Leo occupies the one-bed flat while Tiffy's at work in the day, and she has the run of the place the rest of the time. But with obsessive ex-boyfriends, demanding clients at work, wrongly imprisoned brothers, and, of course, the fact that they still haven't met yet, they're about to discover that if you want the perfect home, you need to throw the rule book out the window. So basically I love it's it. so good. So basically it's one of those books where the chapters alternate people's perspective. So it's like Tiffy, Leon, Tiffy, Leon, Tiffy, Leon. I love that. Those and they're sorts sharing of a flat but Tiffy works nine to five and Leon works shifts at the hospital and he works six till eight. So they're never in the flat at the same time.
1: They're in the night. Yeah, they're
0: ships in the night but they exchange notes with each other. And, it's, and they
1: fall in love. It is
0: such a quirky, fun, light read. And I was, got, what was I going through? Oh, uh, you know, emotional breakup stuff. Sheesh. And it just felt really feel good. It was a really feel good book and very well written, like really well written. And I
1: love their names Tiffy and Leon. They're yeah, great
0: names.
1: I know. So, so good. Yeah,
0: it's set in London. And um, yeah, really good read. Highly recommend.
1: I'm going to give it a read.
0: All right. What's your record this week, Cole?
1: Well, I know we love the skincare recos, Jord. And I didn't even realize how much I take care of my skin. I actually do a lot, I care about it. Have you started a lot. washing your face? I have. Okay. Not every night. <laughs> oh, I was
0: going to say Katie Willie will be so impressed, but now she's not <laughs> impressed at all.
1: My Virgo friends, left, right, and center, will be impressed. <laughs> no. This is one of the first natural beauty skincare products and brands that I ever started using about four or five years ago now. And it's the one product that if someone was going to switch to natural, I recommend this brand and this specific product. And I have all of my friends, my sister, like my sister-in-law, all use it now. So the brand is Edible Beauty and they're a beautiful brand. The founder, Anna, is just a gorgeous human so we always want to support amazing people doing amazing work in the world and the product that i'm talking about today is their desert lime flawless micro exfoliant so it's an exfoliant that you would use once to twice a week rid yourself of all the dead skin cells but it's just divine i'm gonna to read to you what is included like the ingredients so it's got obviously coconut oil and sunflower oil, then it's got cacao, camellia seed oil, it's got wattle seed, desert lime, strawberry, ginkgo. It's got just beautiful Australian natives Mm. that you are using to scrub your face. And every time I use it, like I took this bad boy overseas with me because I need it to just, you know, when you're looking for, especially in colder weather, you get the dry patches on your skin. This just buffs them away. So I have it in my shower and I'll exfoliate with it maybe twice a week.
0: Is it, oh, that's quite a lot. Is it quite yeah. coarse?
1: No, it's really, really gentle. Okay. And it comes in this tub. So you get a lot. You can jump onto their website. We'll pop the link in the newsletter. But they're also now. Oh, it smells divine. Edible beauty products are also now available in Sephora and some pretty mainstream beauty places, which is great because all of their products and their skincare is divine. I mean, it makes sense. It's called Edible Beauty. It's beauty good enough to eat. You're not going to eat it, but it's made from natural ingredients. So I highly recommend that exfoliator for your glowing skin. So
0: good.
1: Now, Jord, you are teaching us something this week.
0: Yeah, I look, it's not something that I came up with myself. <laughs> it's something that I've had to implement quite a bit in the last few weeks as I've been moving through some really kind of transitional things and trying to create new things and manifesting and it's a big part of manifestation and it's this concept yes. of non-attachment.
1: Yes, I love it.
0: it. So non-attachment's actually a Buddhist term. Is it? Yeah, and it's this whole idea of not – attaching so being detached to suffering so it's a little bit like you know what you learned in vipassana which is like yeah like don't don't attach yourself to the things because none of it really matters at the end of the day
1: that was the whole premise of it and that was a buddhist teaching so it makes sense yeah yeah
0: so in terms of manifestation which is how i talk about everything because at the end of the day that's just you taking ownership of your life and creation Non-attachment, what it does is it brings us back into faith because when we attach to something and we hold on so tightly for dear life, there's a part of us that is in fear, which is what we've been talking so true. about, right?
1: We're not trusting. We're not
0: trusting because when we believe and we have faith that what is meant for us will come to us and we're in our mm. highest vibration and we're vibrating on the frequency of what it is we want to create, we don't have to hold on so tightly,
1: So true. And
0: everything in my life that I've just been able to let go of and have faith in has come to me through non-attachment. So this apartment, or this studio that I live in now, this beautiful home that I
1: have—beautiful—I
0: remember the process so well. I was living nowhere. I was down at my family farm, and I knew I wanted to come up to Byron, but I had to do a month of uh, catering uh, in all these different locations around, uh, the Southern Highlands, actually around New South Wales in the Hunter Valley, Southern Highlands, like all over the place. So I couldn't secure a place anywhere until that month was over. And this place became available. My friend was living here and she was moving out, but there was a month between when I was coming up and when it was on the market. And I spoke to my now beautiful landlord and I was just like, you know, I really would love to come and live there, but this is my situation. And she's like, well, you know, we'd love to hold it for you, but we've got some people interested in blah, blah. And I said, look, what's meant to be will be. If I'm meant to be in that house, I will be in that house. And if I'm not meant to be in it, then I'll find something else. And I truly believed it I don't know why yeah. because usually I'd just be like I have to have that I'll pay all you all this money to keep it but I was just like no divine timing you know totally and if it's not if it's not this it's something
1: better it'll be something else something better yeah something better
0: so I want everyone to think in their lives what it is that they attach to so dearly and what mm-hmm. it is they're so scared of because what's really important around manifestation, and I actually talked about it with Zoe Bosco, our kinesiologist, mm. on Lunar Lover, my other podcast this week, this idea of um, letting something go so that it will come back to you.
1: Because then you know it's been yours all along.
0: Absolutely. Um, And I think, yeah, when we grip so tightly, when we hold so tightly, there's this belief that it's not really for us and if we let it go, it's going to disappear.
1: It's almost coming from that lack vibration, isn't it? Like I've got to hold on to this because what if I let go and it disappears, then what? It's like, well, then it's not meant for you and that's okay.
0: And it's this concept of, that's what I was trying to remember, I had a mind blank as I was talking, with Zoe is this idea of neutrality and, like, being neutral to the outcome. And that's what non-attachment is. It's like
1: mm-hmm. I'm
0: okay if it happens. I'm equally okay if it doesn't.
1: And that mm. thought's going to send
0: people into fear. But holding onto it doesn't guarantee it.
1: Exactly. Letting
0: go gives it a fighting chance.
1: This can be really um, challenging, especially when we look at non-attachment in relationships. But that's been a piece draw that I really worked on last year in the marriage and it being forever. And what does that mean? Which is quite an attached way of looking at things mm. and really sitting now in a relationship with Trenny and being like, he is my husband and I love him to bits and we are in this beautiful, you know, relationship together. Is that forever? I'd like it to be. But if it's not, I'm also okay. And that can be really confronting for people to hear. They're like, "What does that mean?" That's so not romantic. That was
0: confronting it's, for me. I'm like, "You and Trini are forever." No,
1: <laughs> like we we may well be, but we no, also I may mean. not be. You know? Yeah, yeah. And actually being able to sit comfortably and say that, and even Trini gets triggered by that conversation. It's a it's challenging, but that's where I'm I'm working on my non attachment is in relationship with not just my husband, but in every person in my life because. It, it works the same with people, right?
0: Absolutely. And I've had that lesson this month as well. It's like if love if l- love is such a big vibration, it's such a high vibration that smothering it and holding onto it and hanging on for dear life does nothing for that vibrational frequency, if you can let it go, love will either flourish or it will move on. And either yes. way it's in your highest interest.
1: Exactly right. Yeah. It's this even can be a practice that we um, we actually did this at our retreat in Bali at the beginning of the year where we challenged the girls to take something that they had brought with them and actually burn it in the fire pit. So they didn't know they were bringing something to release. But you can use that with material attachment, you know, because we also get really caught up in our things and our stuff and holding on to it and, and creating meaning around what that piece of jewelry or that piece of clothing or whatever means and how attached are you to your material items as well. Oh
0: my God, so attached. Like if you right? made me throw this ring into the fire,
1: I would never talk to you ever again. <laughs> Is that what and that's they were okay? Doing? No, no, it wasn't beautiful things. It was just oh. like, what can you <laughs> We actually wouldn't get you to throw the ring into the fire, but maybe you wanted to gift that ring to somebody else. So I had my love heart sunglasses that I loved so much, and I I gave them to somebody else because I was practicing non attachment. Because I'm not my objects, I'm not my material things. Look at you.
0: You, fucking... I know. <laughs> you are a far more evolved human than I.
1: <laughs> I would never give my engagement ring away. Don't worry. There are certain yeah, things. Yeah, if you don't like
0: it, Holly, I can look after it for you. <laughs>
1: So, Jord, what would you say to someone who is really struggling to step into that faith or surrendered or trust peace? They're like, I get the non-attachment thing, I understand, but I don't know how to even sit in that space comfortably.
0: Yeah, uh, look, I'll say to you it's not a comfortable space to sit in and that's the whole point of it, right? And that's what this conversation with fear has been about in this episode so it's, it takes practice, it takes baby steps, it takes having a look over the ledge before you jump, you know, like getting comfortable in the space of it. And we talk about it all the time on here, but it's the biggest, easiest way to fall into faith is to look at all the energetic cycles in life. So the moon, your breath, the sun, the seasons, they <laughs> all move in cycles and faith is exactly the same and non-attachment is exactly the same so letting it go knowing that everything is energy everything is energy you me the table the computer the fly on the wall everything is energy mm. it all moves in the same cycle so holding yeah. onto it is actually preventing the natural cycle of energy
1: 100 percent. so it's projecting what you want visualizing by all means putting on your vision board, writing it down, and then going, okay, I've done what I can do and now I leave it for the universe to decide. Yeah,
0: it's that balance between action and surrender. I've done my bit and now it's time to just let it do its bit.
1: Oh, it's so juicy. I love it, Jord. Thank you. You're welcome. Yay! Yay! Thanks, guys, for listening to another episode of The Middle. We'd love for you to join the conversations over on our Facebook group. Just search The Middle Podcast Show and follow us on Instagram at the underscore middle underscore podcast. Say hi to your mom for us.